0: Welcome to the Tune In with Marcy podcast, where we always know that being you takes so much courage. Where you're joined by me, host, intuitive coach, and healer Marcy Moberg, every week for eye opening, deep, real talk conversations on connecting to our intuition, personal power, the universe, and creating authentic relationships with each other. I want you to get ready for practical tips, inspiring stories, and answers to your burning questions, you know what they are, that keep keeping you up at night. Whether you're struggling with overcoming fear to follow your life's passion, or you're experiencing Groundhog Day with repeating unhealthy patterns, this podcast is for you, sensitive soul, so get ready to live your truth. A quick note. This podcast sometimes has adult language because these are adult conversations. So plan accordingly, whether that means turning it off when kids are around or using your earbuds and earphones. Now on to this week's episode. I can't wait for you to listen. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here today and I want to say happy one month anniversary to tune in with Marcy. I have been creating and recording episodes now for a whole month and it's been great. It's been really fun. I'm really enjoying this medium. So I first want to say thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for devoting your time to receive and digest my creation. It it means a lot to me as a creative person. And you, by tuning in, are really allowing me to fulfill my purpose and to be a vessel for these teachings. And so I'm really grateful for that. And I have just been blown away by how the podcast has been received. The feedback I've been receiving has been wonderful, including some five-star ratings. Thank you so much for the people that have taken time to do that. Um, I wanted to read a review from a recent listener that really touched me and I'm so grateful for. They said, I really like the way Marcy relates and communicates in language that anyone can understand, even though she's speaking about deep and maybe subtle topics. She has a way with words that allow you to get into the feeling in your body, which not all podcasters or people communicating spiritual or holistic topics can. Eager for more episodes. J-Dub Love. J-Dub Love, thank you so much for your kind words and taking the time to review my podcast. It means the world to me. Your generosity will definitely encourage other listeners to tune in and ensure more people who could really benefit from this podcast get to find it. So thank you for being a bridge in that way to other people. And if you've loved what I've been sharing so far, or you get to the end of this episode and you've really enjoyed it. I would be so grateful if you could hop over to Apple Podcasts and share a rating and review, ideally five stars. These ratings and reviews ensure more people can find the podcast and encourage people to listen in, which is wonderful because that's that's my hope. I created this in order to have these tools and topics and, and skills and, and different teachings to reach as many people as possible. This is one way that I am trying to be of service to many people, um, regardless of their financial situation, because I offer this podcast freely, and it takes a lot of time for me each week to create these episodes. Um, so I would love to be able to to serve more people in this in this vessel of this audio creation that we're doing. <laughs> okay, so this week's episode is episode number four in a series on relationships. If you've missed the previous episodes, don't worry. You can go back and check them out by listening to the first three episodes of the podcast, where I reflected on how our past haunts are present, the difference between true versus false belonging, and how unhealed wounds from our ancestors can play into our relationship struggles. So today... I want to complete this part of this relationship series and start with a question that I've been asked by several clients over the years. And the question that I'll get quite often is, okay, Marcy, how do you, how do you not give a shit about what other people think? And whoever is speaking to me usually goes on to share that they wish that they could be as confident as they perceive me to be in sharing their own authentic selves. And every time I wonder to myself and I think like, well, what makes people think I don't care what other people think? (laughs) Okay, so first I want to say, I actually think it's complete bullshit and a myth that we don't give a shit what other people think. I I think that that statement when we say, you know, when someone says like, well, I just don't give a shit what other people think. Most of the time, I really think that's actually an armored defensive response. And a lot of times when people say things like that, it's coming from a place where they're not fully in their power. And so they kind of feel like they need to power over the situation. And you know, it's kind of like the rebel that doesn't care. Well, when you really get underneath the surface of the rebel that doesn't, doesn't care, they, they care. Like maybe they care more than most people. Let's be real. So that's my caveat. And I want to say that of course, everyone cares and those that really don't care. Hmm. Sociopath. (laughs) I mean, really, right? Because we, we all live in this interconnected web of life, and we're wired to operate in an interconnected way, even though modern society has taught us to be um, just individuals, like isolated individuals, and that we can somehow psychologically get to a place where we are entirely isolated individuals, I think is a, is a false assumption. And so, in other words, I think we really all have a sense of consciously or unconsciously, that we we do care about what other people's opinions are expressed or unexpressed. So I actually want to change the question. And I would say, instead of maybe asking the question, how do I not give a shit what other people think, perhaps the question is, is actually, how do we not is not how do we not give a shit, but rather, How do we care more about our own inner truth than the opinions of others? Or how do we ensure that our inner voice is given credit, trust, respect, and healthy boundaries in relationship with other people's opinions? And that includes not only the opinions of others, but also our wounding that can masquerade as our inner critic and kind of be like an other opinion living in our psyche or experience, if that makes sense. So it's not this question of like, how do I not give a shit? But it's rather, how do you actually care more about your truth? Period. Um, When I think we're asking those questions, I think we're getting somewhere. I, I care about other people's opinions all the time. After all, like, I'm both a highly sensitive person, and an empath. And I don't just mean that by like, I don't know, there's a lot of lingo around that now, but literally like taken tests, looked at criteria, I am both. <laughs> um, and this means that I feel more than the average person and that my nervous system is literally wired to pick up on the subtlety of my environment and others around me more than the average person. Because that's like, you know, my highly sensitive person nature is that I actually pick up on the subtlety in my environment. The empath part of me means that I actually pick up on the feelings, uh, thought forms, opinions, emotions of other people, Um, sometimes as if they are my own and more than other people. So in essence, like I, I pick up on the opinions of others actually more than an average person. So this really provides unique challenges and opportunities. Um, if you are a highly sensitive person or an empath, I do think that those are our superpowers. And I will definitely be talking about that at different times in this podcast. For now, as I'm reflecting on this in my own experience, it, you know, this kind of sensitivity creates challenges because this means that getting to the center of my truth has taken a lot of extra intentional effort. And I would say a consistent practice. You know, it's not like I just made a decision, flicked a switch, and then I decided, okay, that's it. My inner truth is more important than other people's opinions. And I never had to revisit that choice again. No, it's rather that because of how I am um, Wired in my nervous system and neurologically, I need to constantly be like aware of what is my truth and are other truths kind of trying to come into my space or not, just by nature of how my system processes the information in the environment around me. So, this means that I intentionally make this choice to honor my truth to, to allow my truth, my inner voice to have to be kind of like center stage around my choices. Um, and I choose that centering of my inner voice and my truth on a daily, hourly, and sometimes minute by minute basis, especially when I'm feeling like a bit physically, emotionally or mentally worn out. That means that it becomes a very conscious practice for me that I need to do. So developing a certain level of confidence in our truth is not a destination, but rather a devotion. I'm going to say that again, developing a certain level of confidence in our truth is not a destination, but rather a devotion. What is devotion? When I looked it up on the internet. <laughs> I found that devotion is officially said to be love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. And so I guess what this means for me is that my life's cause is to keep choosing my truth and living it. And that feels true to me. To keep choosing my truth when the outside noise is really loud, like the outside noise of other people's opinions or society's perspective. And to keep choosing my truth when the outside inside voice of my inner critic is really loud. And then like everything in between. So there are days where sometimes that's really easy. And then there are days where sometimes it's really hard. And then there are days where it's kind of like a mixed bag. Um, the days that it's really hard for me, it's, you know... As a creative entrepreneur in the world and a sensitive intuitive, there are days where I, you know, tenderly offer one of my creations to the world, like a new course that I've created, or some of my writing, or I, you know, maybe I've done a new podcast interview on another podcaster's um, platform or show, or I share a musing from my heart, you know, like on social media or something like that, and then this can come up, it can come up to this, this bubbling up can be, well, what do other people think? It's a very vulnerable thing as a creative person, I believe, to put things out into the world. And I can feel at times anxious about how much people are engaging with the material, how much they like or don't like something with the, you know, like function on social media. PS, I'm really excited that they're thinking about um, actually getting rid of the like function. I think it really is disruptive, but that's a sidebar. Um, also, I can sometimes get in my head about how something can feel so profound and like really, really deep to me. And then when I share it in the world, it feels like it's met with crickets. And that can be really hard where something is like, maybe something I've realized is, is literally like earth like, shattering changing for me. And then it appears like when I share it into the world, that there's not a lot of engagement with it. And that can feel really vulnerable. And if I'm not, you know, kind of confident in myself, I could get to a place where I could then question whether it actually was as profound as it was. And that could erode my experience if I let it. In many ways, I believe this is why being an online creative entrepreneur is actually one of the most challenging paths that anyone can take and is a really, really deep spiritual practice because day in and day out, I get to keep practicing choosing my truth. I can practice noticing when I'm worried about whether what other people like, um, you know, whether people really like what I'm offering into the world or not. um, And I can choose in a moment when I start to like, you know, move into a sticky place of questioning myself, or giving more weight to other people's potential opinions. And in that moment, I can become conscious and decide to close out, you know, for example, my social media app, and then go and give my dog, why would I give my dog, not give my dog, go give my dog a hug, why would I do that? Um something really it's really something really tangible and it brings me back to like now. Right? Go and give my dog a lo- a hug or go feed myself the lunch that's waiting in the fridge for me during my lunchtime rather than just allowing myself to spin with questions about whether, you know, is what i offered into the world actually valuable quote unquote enough. Um and instead, like nourish my body, nourish myself in that moment, right? And and those kind of moments of deciding not to engage in giving weight to and energy to other people's um, opinions over my own truth and coming back to the present moment through something that is deeply caring, like feeding myself a nourishing lunch, or deeply connecting, like hugging my dog or going on a walk and connecting to nature for like a couple minutes. Um, that really allows my truth to stay front and center, even in the moments when I'm having a hard time doing that. I mean, after all in the business, in the, the world of like online business, there's a lot of um, marketing gurus that can preach that we need to like give value, 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 need to always give value. And that can sometimes unintentionally, I think, imply that if if something falls on like, quote unquote, deaf ears, or it feels like something I've created falls on deaf ears, then is my work of no value. And then even further, if I'm not careful, I could even go into this place of like, well, then am I not valuable? And of course, the answer is no, Right. So it takes a lot of practice for me on a daily basis. People don't see that when I'm offering things to the world. but there are times where it can be really hard for me and there can be times where I offer it into the world and I feel really confident. And that can depend on a lot of things. Like if I like I said, if I'm really physically tired or I, I've been working really long hours, or um, I have chronic Lyme disease, and if my chronic Lyme disease symptoms are active, then I can be a little more vulnerable to feeling a little bit less confident in my truth. At first, when this was happening, when I first left my government job, this dynamic really messed with my sense of worthiness in ways that I never had to deal with in an office job. Because suddenly I felt naked and bare and like standing in the wilderness of doing my own thing. And I finally, you know, I feel grateful for it, even though, holy shit, it was really hard sometimes at the beginning, Um, because I really finally got to meet the architecture underneath that fueled just how much I did care what other people thought, even if I didn't want them to know it, right? It's like I was masking that honestly, I recognized when I was in an office job and when, um, you know, I was kind of just like out there. (laughs) I, I really had to come face to face with that. Um, so I'm really grateful for that challenge and how that has really unknowingly stepping into this work has really fortified myself and my confidence in myself in a way that I wasn't expecting. These challenges, you know, have also shown up in my personal life. So if you think to yourself, like, oh, I'm not an online entrepreneur, or maybe social media doesn't get you in the same way, you might connect with some of what I'm about to share about my personal life as well, where this has also shown up at different times. I've made choices along the way that I knew other people in my life might not agree with, understand, or quite frankly, just get upset with. And those have included things like getting a divorce. Getting a divorce was a interesting, surprising experience because some people in my friend circle treated me like as if my divorce was contagious is the best way I can describe it. And it's like suddenly they kind of distanced themselves and disappeared. There were other people that were really angry with me at not sharing about how difficult my marriage had been that led to divorce and that I wasn't opening up about what really had happened right after I got divorced. So there were people like, yeah, if a lot of people just made it like personal, the decision personal, it was really bizarre for me. Um, So that was one interesting situation that I, I guess I knew people might... I don't know. I don't think I realized how, how people would have such opinions about it, to be honest. I guess I thought people would trust my decision more than they did. So that was interesting. Same thing happened to me before that when I became Muslim. And then later when I decided that I didn't identify as Muslim anymore, or even as one spiritual tradition, that my, my path was actually much broader than that. Both cases, I had a similar experience where people just got weird about my decision. People took it very personally. People, Some people took it as like an offense. And it was both decisions. People at different points took it as like an offense. Or, and both decisions, people like wanted to try to talk me out of them. I mean, it happened in divorce too. It's just, again, it was just really bizarre to me that people had these opinions that they were just trying to talk me out of the decisions, rather than trusting that I really knew what I was doing. Um, another one for me was deciding not to go home for the holidays uh, when I really needed a staycation. That that was a really hard decision because I knew people wouldn't be happy about that. And then one of the hardest decisions for me to make today with my husband was actually when we got married, we decided not to have family there. And that was for a lot of really complex reasons. And we knew that mm, people might not be happy about that. So in each of these decisions, people I cared about, cared about what I was doing. And some cases people cared about what I was doing a lot, a lot. (laughs) Honestly, in some of these decisions, I lost relationships along the way which in the end was hard, like in the, in the process of it was hard. But in the end, I feel grateful for because I recognize that those people were not ready to meet me in my authentic truth. And the kind of people that I want in my close circle of relationships need to be able to trust my decisions and trust my truth and trust that I know what is really, really good for me um and honor that even if they disagree with it sometimes people disliked what I was choosing um through it all I really decided to make my choices in alignment with my truth anyways anyways I mean there's times where people I cared about didn't talk to me for months because of some of these decisions that was interesting (laughs) you know there, is time, there are times in my life where I feel like my decisions were punished, even though I knew without a shred of a doubt that they were absolutely the right decision for me. So that wasn't easy, as you can imagine. Sometimes there were tears. Sometimes there were tense conversations. However, at the end of the day, I know that in times when I have not made a decision in alignment with my own truth, it has led to greater suffering. Um, and those decisions led to things like resentment, those decisions felt like obligation, and those decisions would seed unhealthy patterns underneath the facade of everything is okay. Right? So I would make those decisions and then there'd be the mask of everything's okay, but underneath, totally not okay. And this low simmer kind of misalignment, that would just really eat at me. And so earlier in my path, I decided I was no longer going to make obligatory or resent resentment carrying decisions. Like I just wasn't going to do it. I needed to be fully two feet into my decisions every single time I made them and own them. And if I made a decision that aligned with other people's opinions, it needed to be because the decision was also aligned with my truth. And it's taken practice, it still takes practice, as I find myself increasingly being asked on my path at different forks in the road to make big decisions, sometimes as a test to whether I will honor my truth or am I going to supersede to the truth of others? Um, P.S. I'll tell you the end of the story, the end of the movie, which is really that I always, at this point, honor my truth, period. Like, it may sound cheesy, but part of what motivates me is that at the end of my life, I don't want to look back and have regrets and think that I wish I had taken different forks in the road. So far, I'm really grateful. I don't actually have regrets. I think it was like several months ago, I got asked on a podcast, what do you what, what do you regret in life? And I was like, nothing. Um, I don't because I'm fully in... I'm fully in my truth. I'm fully in my choices. And even when I made choices that um, earlier in my path that didn't feel like that felt like they were appeasing to others, I don't regret them. They were learning opportunities and they got me to this place now where I really do strongly make choices from my truth. So um, that's been really important because at the end of the day, the end of my life, I want to be in that full alignment with myself. Now, a big piece that I want to talk about underneath the competence to keep choosing our truth is a healthy cultivation of self-acceptance. Now, I have an interesting relationship with the word acceptance. I'm using it here just because it's so popular. But you'll see that I'm intentionally using the word embracing a lot over acceptance. Because sometimes acceptance is like, it implies that you still have a, you're like, you still don't like it. Like you still have some resistance towards it, Right. So when I'm talking about self-acceptance and I'm talking about embracing, I'm talking about it from a place of removing our resistance. I found when we have more space inside of ourselves to truly embrace all of the parts of who we are, we have more space to embrace all of the parts of who other people are in relationships. Yeah. So let's be clear. I'm I'm not the kind of only love and light kind of lady. So, you know, people who kind of on a spiritual path preach just love and light. That that's that's not me. It's also not my experience of life. I do believe there are malevolent forces in the universe and I do believe there are some people who truly are just not well. Um my perspective of that is based on my lived experience and surviving a lot of trauma over the years. Um, so I don't allow those energies or those people into my space and in my life. So when I'm talking about self-acceptance and self-embracing, and I'm talking about being more accepting and embracing of other people, that is not from a love and light place of like, well, then just open the gates and let all the people in. Hell no, no. There are people that should never be allowed metaphorically to even know where the street of where you live is. Do you know what I mean? So that's, that's not what I'm talking about. And I want to say that caveat right now, because when I'm talking about accepting and embracing, I'm talking about accepting and embracing people in your life that genuinely you want in your life and that generally overall are healthy, are pretty healthy dynamics, not ones that are super, um, toxic and, and problematic and abusive. Like, no, that does not fall in this category. So we're going to just make sure that's really, really clear from this point forward. I, I have a pretty, um, hard stance on that. Oh, and P.S., I think Odie's singing in the other room now. (laughs) So you might hear some little, some little chirps and talks in the background. Um, Okay. Yeah. So let's get back to talking about self-acceptance. When healthy people are in my life with some unhealthy parts, I now have more space for their imperfections, because I've been making peace with my own. I've been making peace with my own. Perfectionism is, I believe, the greatest obstacle to acceptance. Oh, by the way, before I continue, I realize that some of you may not know who Odie is. Did I say who Odie is? Anyways, Odie's my parrot, my beloved parrot. (laughs) She just said, (laughs) She's my beloved parrot. I have a beloved parrot. I have a beloved puppy. When I'm recording, I put them in different parts of the home so that maybe there's a little more silence because they're quite active little beings. And um, I'm okay with having some of their their joyful noise, but not so much that then you can't concentrate. (laughs) Okay, back where we were, perfectionism perfectionism yeah i believe it's um the greatest obstacle to acceptance to embracing whether it's ourselves or other people because when whenever there is self-judgment or judgment towards another person pops up it's important to check in and notice you know have i set some high expectations and standards that perhaps are not even real real. They're just not real. Like they're in other words, am I expecting myself or other people to be superhuman? I'm I'm raising my hand because that is totally what I tried to do to myself. And sometimes other people for a long time, long time. I I recognize that like a lot of what I expected of myself was really superhuman. It was it was not not healthy. Sometimes just acknowledging this can can really soften our edges, you know, just to say like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, let's be real here. I realize that the expectations and the standards I've set for myself or other people are just not realistic because unlike kind of how we are taught in a society where I would say, you know, kind of patriarchal, constructs rule and there's so much I could say about that but I'm not going to right now because that would be like a whole nother three thousand episodes, let's just say. I'll probably talk about it in an episode in the future, but (laughs) for now, let's just say, right, that we we have we're we're kind of operating in this kind of patriarchal structure where there's this assumption that you need to be the same all the time. So you need to be as productive as you always are all the damn time. You need to be happy all the damn time. You need to have your energy levels at a certain place all the damn time, but that is not real. It is not real. (laughs) It's just not. If you look at nature, it ebbs and flows. Nature is an amazing teacher. Why? Because we are nature too. We've just gotten disconnected from that. So we ebb and flow, just like the seasons. And if you just look at like wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this right now, whether it's in the morning or the evening, middle of the day, whatever that is, I'm sure if you looked at your day so far that you've probably gone through some ebbs and flows, right? Yeah, probably your energy was up, you were excited, and then you were bored, and then you were this. and then you were that. I mean, that is just naturally how things go. We have these ebbs and flows. There's times the day where maybe we feel sleepy and times the day we feel energized. Okay. In other words, because we ebb and flow, then sometimes we don't recognize that. And then the standards and expectations we set are that we need to reach this really high bar that's just really hard for us to perhaps even reach on our best days. And then we need to reach the best like best day high bar every day. Like no, that's it's just not possible. It's just not possible. So when we can really be honest with ourselves about that, of maybe how we're doing that to ourselves, of how we're maybe doing that to other people in our life. I mean, I'm exhaling while I'm talking about this because I do really think it softens our edges, it softens the edges with ourselves and and with other people. So after we can so- soften, then we can just ask, okay, so. Now, how can I create even more space inside of myself for these quote unquote imperfect parts, right? We are, th- there is no perfection. We're all, per- we're all imperfect, quote unquote imperfect. We all have quirks. We all have these little things that we do on, un-, un. just so many habits, whatever. That- that's just how we are. We have those things. So how can we start to create space for them? And one way to do so is shadow work. Um, I'm a big proponent of shadow work. I do shadow work in my client work, and I have a regular practice of shadow work myself. And I've saved that topic for a whole series in the future because I really want to spend some time and depth on it. But in the meantime, I just want to say this for now in the context of this relationship series, that there is power in sitting down with the pieces of yourself that you have shame, guilt, and judgment around and bringing a loving, compassionate presence to those parts of yourselves. And the way that I think about it is it's like the most unconditionally loving mother or most, or, or sometimes what feels even better for me when I think about this is like the most unconditionally loving like grandmother, you know, like a really loving old woman sitting down with their child and cultivating this kind of a way of meeting ourselves that can both be life-changing and I would say life-giving. So to begin because you know I like practices. I want you to consider where are you struggling to accept yourself? Make a list. And then I want you to focus on one piece that feels like it's a, a piece that's a size you are willing to work with. So like, don't pick the most sensitive, tricky, sticky piece. No, that's going to be so painful and so hard. Start with something that feels really doable. I always suggest that whenever we're doing transformative work, start with something that feels like maybe a little bit of a stretch, but doable. And then consider how would an unconditionally loving mother, unconditionally loving grandmother, unconditionally loving grandparent, whoever that is, that unconditionally loving adult meet this part of yourself. How would they meet them? If you were a fly on the wall, what would you see? What would they say? What would they do? And then based on that reflection, of if you were witnessing that, what you would actually experience, notice, feel, then use that as inspiration to give that love to yourself in your own words, in your own thoughts, and in your own actions, so that then suddenly you become like the loving adult, the loving grandparent, the loving unconditional presence to those parts of yourself that you otherwise might want to cut out, shun, avoid, deny. You may be thinking, but I want to change these parts that I'm struggling to accept. Yeah. Okay, cool. I get it. Definitely. However, honestly, change doesn't happen without embracing first, or I should say lasting change is in my opinion, doesn't really happen without the embracing first. So you want to change your relationship with yourself. Start by focusing on how you can create more sacred space inside of yourself to embrace more parts of yourself. And you want to change your relationship with a loved one, then start by noticing how you can create more space for embracing the parts of them that are difficult to embrace. And notice which pieces are difficult, which pieces of my partner, which pieces of my family, which pieces of my best friend, which pieces are difficult for me to embrace. And maybe they are connected to a deep judgment inside of you. That's towards yourself. Like maybe there's some mirroring happening, and you're going, ooh, ooh I don't like it because I don't I don't like it when I see it out there because I'm I actually realizing it's inside of me. Or maybe you just have some judgment and you need that softening. Or maybe there's this spark behind it because there's a deep-seated sense of what you know, that's really connected more deeply to what you're willing to and not willing to tolerate in relationship. That's a really important thing. I find that so many of us, we're not clear about what are those lines like what am i willing to tolerate what am i not willing to tolerate and sometimes not all the time like if you go through this process of softening with yourself and you go through this process of exploring the judgment piece and you discover that there's still a lot of energy there then maybe what's happening is that someone is actually trampling on a space on like your your boundaries that are that were like previously unaware to you and they're not aware of, right? Like you haven't really gotten conscious around those pieces and drawn the line. So drawing lines and boundaries are healthy and important when they're done consciously around, oh, this is really what I'm I'm not willing to tolerate. Like this is what's really important to me. So what I'm suggesting is not to embrace unhealthy and harmful patterns. No, no, no. Sometimes the embracing of a person with a lot of unhealthy patterns it, you know, and someone that really like the relationship dynamic is just really, really not well. It's not healthy. Is learning how to embrace the reality that that is actually what it is versus the illusion of who you want them to be. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes embracing is actually recognizing the reality of how unhealthy something is versus buying into the illusion or the hope of who you want them to be. And then once you can kind of come down to that reality, that's the embracing, the embracing of that reality, then you can allow that to inform your actions, which may mean actually different boundaries that serve you more. That may mean as metaphorically as, you know, one of my teachers said to me once, it's like moving someone from the lobby, um, down like three blocks. Like they're not allowed to be in the lobby anymore at this point with where they are with you, if that makes sense. Okay. So that's a wrap for month number one of tune in with Marcy all about relationships over the next four weeks. We'll be shifting to a new topic, which I'm excited about. And same way, we're going to be diving in for four weeks to dive deep. And I haven't really fully decided which one I'm going to do. I have a lot of topics already planned, but um, I'm just feeling into it because that's how I usually make decisions. I make decisions from an intuitive place and I feel intuitively feel in like what wants to come forward. So I'm doing that. If there's a topic you'd love to see me cover or you have a question about, I would love for you to submit them and I'd love to answer them. I'd love to cover them on the podcast. So you can go to Marcymoberg.com backslash podcast or my website, www.marcymoberg.com and go to the podcast piece, scroll to the bottom of the page, and then click on the button at the very bottom to submit your question. And I already have a few, which I'm excited to answer. And I would love to answer yours. So I hope that you have a wonderful week. I hope that you have enjoyed and savored this series. And thank you again so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning in today with me on my podcast, Tune In With Marcy. I hope you loved this episode and it enriches you as much as it has for me to create it. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would be so grateful for you to hop on over to Apple Podcasts share your rating and leave a review. Ideally five stars. That way more people can find this podcast, which would be wonderful. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So you don't miss a single episode. And you can always learn more about me and my work at my website, www.marcymoberg.com. That's my first and last name.com until next time. Remember being you takes courage. Lots of love.